And sorry, I know you guys wanted to clap, but everything I'm going to say is going to be amazing. Um, <laughs> how do you pay, man? Uh, if you don't write checks, how do you pay these guys? Great cash, homie. Mama, there goes that man. Hello and welcome to Carson Sack Podcast, where we talk balls. This is episode 61, and again, I come to you this week with an extremely straightforward agenda. We are going to talk about college football, the NFL, a little NBA from the opening night games that happened on Tuesday night as I record this Wednesday. I understand there's a full slate of games that are taking place tonight in the NBA, but recording before those take place. And maybe a little MLB since the World Series is going on and none of my picks for the World Series even uh, made it there. So, again, extremely straightforward episode here for episode 61 on Carson Sack this week, but still looking to be a good one. Again, I have to remind you before I get into things to like, rate, review, subscribe, and all that other good shit on iTunes, SoundCloud, and or any other place, which I don't even... I don't even know of another place you would get your podcast, but if you are one of those people that gets it from somewhere else for some weird reason, please feel free to like, rate, review, and subscribe on that app or website as well. Let's jump right into episode 61 here with some college football talk. Let's jump right into the week 9 discussion with a Thursday night matchup of the 16th-ranked SMU Mustangs going to the 3-4, and four, quite disappointing Houston Cougars. Um, on the year, Butchel for SMU, the quarterback, quietly putting together 2,100 yards, 18 touchdowns, and 6 interceptions, and the rushing attack for the Mustangs has been phenomenal, with Jones there at running back for them. Only on 143 carries, he's got 751 yards, and the real number that jumps out is 12 touchdowns. Um, King for Houston is still the leader in passing yards, and he hasn't played in quite a few weeks. I'm really only talking about this because SMU is ranked, and it's the only game on Thursday night, so... Really, I just think you have to go with SMU in this one over Houston. I just think they're the better ball club, the better team that ultimately the talent and the rank is warranted, and they're going to show it on Thursday night. Friday, you have USC going to Colorado. This seems like a real trap game for USC going to Colorado. This is one of those games that you, you start the week off, you're ready to get the gambling juices flowing a little bit, and... It's like, oh, this game's on on Friday night. I'll just do this, maybe get a little bit of my money back before the weekend starts, or that's the mindset you go into with it, and you end up losing it, and you're down. Whatever you bet on it, whatever you feel comfortable doing, then you're sort of set back um, going into the weekend slate of games. So I'm going to stay away from this one on the gambling front because uh, I feel like I always get screwed by Pac-12 teams and Pac-12 action either late at night or where they're the only game on TV. So, again, take this with a grain of with a grain of salt, but I am going to go 
with Colorado in this one just because USC at times has struggled on the road this year. We now look to Saturday, and it's one of, if not the biggest game, well, I think it's probably the second biggest game this weekend. Uh, in the Big Ten, you have Wisconsin, 13th in the country, coming off their loss against Illinois, their shocking loss last week. Going to Ohio State, third in the country, sitting at 7-0. and Going to be in attendance at this game, excited about that, first and foremost. Going to probably speak a little bit about that next week on Carson Sack, about the experience and whatnot I had there. What is intriguing about this is the defensive matchup that both of these teams have. Ohio State is going up against the best defense they faced. Wisconsin going up against the best defense that they have faced so far on the year. For Wisconsin, obviously things start with Jonathan Taylor. He makes that team go. Through seven games, he's got 15 touchdowns, so almost two a game. They've used him a ton in the passing game, and I think that could be a very sneaky and sort of key way that maybe they get him involved this week is through the passing game. If they can get him matched up on a linebacker or two, I'm shuddering at the thought that Tough Borland has to cover Jonathan Taylor in coverage, but again, I just think that could be a little wrinkle and a way, a good way that they can get him the ball and extra touches and get him automatically out in space against guys with quick passes or things like that to Jonathan Taylor on the outside. On the other side, um, you have J.K. Dobbins at running back for the Buckeyes. Um, seven touchdowns through the year, um, has more yards than, has, excuse me, 10 less yards than Jonathan Taylor on. I think like 15 less carries, but the big news, Justin Fields all year, almost 1,500 yards, 22 touchdowns, and only one interception. I really think this is going to, the Buckeyes is going to be tested a little bit out of the start. I think with the physicality and how well Wisconsin's defense can play, and it being a big game, they will come out, and maybe there'll be a bit of, I don't want to say growing pains, but a bit of a feeling out period, like in a like in a boxing match, when the first couple rounds they're just throwing little jabs, seeing what the defense is in, everything like that. I don't want that to be the case. I obviously want Ohio State to come out and just put points on the board. But Ohio State has been very good with normally it's halftime adjustments, but Ryan Day and his staff have been very good so far this year with second quarter adjustments and Ohio State has really taken over games in the second quarter. I could easily see that trend continuing this week after that feeling out process and seeing matchups and what works through that first quarter and seeing what they like and just Ohio State executing and continuing to force the issue on the matchups and the plays that they really like. Ultimately, in the end, I think Ohio State wears down Wisconsin and I don't think it's the line right now is, let's see, let me find it. It's, golly, it's a lot harder than I thought. It's 14 and a half for Ohio State. I could see that potentially being covered and whatnot just because if Jonathan Taylor is taken out of the game where if the Buckeyes do get a big lead and they're forcing Wisconsin's quarterback, um, Cohen, Cohen, however you say the fucking guy's name, 
to be a playmaker where he doesn't really make a lot of mistakes, only two interceptions, but only nine touchdowns through the year on seven games. It's not great. So if you can make Jonathan Taylor be just a piece in the passing game rather than the whole offense, that gives the Buckeyes a extremely good chance of winning this, obviously. And I think Ohio State does have that recipe to where they're going to find what works um, accentuate that in that second quarter and the halftime adjustments and continue to build on that and hopefully um, stack up a big enough lead to where the quarterback for Wisconsin has to bring Wisconsin back in the game. And if that's the case, I feel like Ohio State's D-line and that secondary are going to have themselves a field day. So I'm going to take, obviously, Ohio State over Wisconsin in this one. But a good game. Wisconsin kind of shit the bed on a potential top six, top five maybe matchup after they lost to Illinois. That does concern me a little bit because Illinois will probably, not Illinois, Wisconsin after the Illinois loss will probably come out a little bit more focused. Not that they wouldn't have come out focused before the loss, but a little bit more focused, a little bit more mad. Maybe they were looking ahead to this week a little bit last week and they slipped up. Whatever the case may be, I think they're going to play with a lot more of a chip on their shoulder than what Already the chip was there. So, again, recapping, I do have Ohio State over Wisconsin this week. Next, you have Oklahoma, fifth in the country, going to Kansas State. I think this game's going to be a lot closer than people expect. The line's 23.5. Kansas State's a good football team. It's going to be their biggest home game of the year. I mean, if you want to say Kansas as the rivalry game, sure, whatever. But, um,. I am all I'm not all in on Kansas State here, but I do expect Oklahoma to win, but it to be closer than a lot of people are expecting. Continuing on down, let's see. You have Auburn going to LSU, Auburn ninth in the country, LSU second in the country. I would feel if this game was at Auburn, I would take Auburn. But it being at LSU, and we saw how already Bonix has struggled on the road before at LSU, um, excuse me, at Florida, where he completed 11 of 17 passes and nothing with that offense looked right, and he was turning the ball over, and he really showed his age as being a true freshman. I think that only is even more. Uh, magnified and shown in this game going to Death Valley and having to deal with that crowd noise and LSU being second in the country and this being a rivalry game of sorts and being just a huge home game for LSU. I think LSU's D-line and the defense gets after Bo Nix and the crowd noise and everything that comes with playing in Death Valley really gets to him and LSU wins this one probably quite comfortably. Next, in a Big Ten matchup as well, you have Penn State coming off the win in the big house against Michigan, going to Michigan State. Uh, Penn State 7-0 on the year. Penn State just came out like their hair was on fire last week and then really coasted and got real lucky with a drop by Michigan, one of their receivers, to hang on and win that game. Uh, You could see... The play calling, James Franklin sort of took his foot off the gas, which was a little questionable. I just don't think Michigan State has anything on either side of the ball that is going to be able to hang with Penn State. I understand Michigan State, a physical defense, a good run-stopping defense at times, but 
Penn State is all about big plays, and sooner or later I feel like they're going to be able to break that against Michigan State. So I'm going to take Penn State over Michigan State. Next, you have Texas going to TCU. Texas 15th in the country, barely surviving a game against Kansas last week. Um, An interstate game here. I have Texas going over TCU, and I have Sam Ellinger having a big day as well. Next, you have Maryland going to uh, 17th-ranked Minnesota. Minnesota undefeated on the year. This is another game where I think if it was at Maryland, I would outright pick Maryland to win this, but and I get Minnesota's not this, like, you don't think of Minnesota as this crazy atmosphere or anything like that, but Maryland at times this year has shown they are able to put up points, and at times Minnesota has struggled to do that a little bit. Their offense has been inconsistent at times, but still good enough to win games. But ultimately, I think Minnesota is going to win this game, but Maryland keeps it closer than what the 16-and-a-half spread is I know I'm talking a little bit more about spreads this week. That's not um, on like a gambling front or anything like that. That's just as a like placeholder for where people that are I'm in air quotes smarter than me playing the game at. I think it'll be closer than what those people are saying. Next, you have a Big 12 matchup between Oklahoma State and Iowa State. Oklahoma State has really been a disappointment for me this year so far. They're sitting at 4-3. Iowa State is sitting at 5-2. Iowa State is a sneaky, tough place to play, and Oklahoma State has looked out of sorts the past couple weeks, and I don't think this is the place that they're going to find the mojo that they've had in the past couple years. I think Iowa State um, welcomes in the Cowboys this week and ends up getting the victory. Virginia comes to town as Louisville hosts the Cavaliers. I think this is a very, very winnable game for Louisville. Um, so there still is no quarterback definitely named between Conley and Cunningham as their starter. And I've heard maybe some people wanting that to be done. I don't, as an outsider and just a person that doesn't really care about Louisville football. It doesn't make a difference to me, but I could definitely see how it would be frustrating and annoying to not have a set guy as the guy at quarterback at one of, if not the most important positions in the game. So if Louisville... Okay, last week, let's go back to when Louisville played Clemson. They were a couple plays away from keeping it much closer for a little bit longer than what the score indicated at the end. A couple turnovers that they gave away and then a couple turnovers that they were able to manifest against Trevor Lawrence, which I was surprised with how much they were able to turn Trevor Lawrence over. That was a, that has to be a little concerning if you're a Clemson fan because Louisville's defense, not, not thought of as the strong point of this team, but they were still able to turn over Trevor Lawrence and intercept him and whatnot. To this week, though, um, it's all about stopping Bryce Perkins and... I think last week at the halftime, he had 19 rushes, and he was the vocal point of that offense, and that's the way Virginia has to go and roll with. I think I'm going to go with Louisville in this game. I think the run game is going to be um, extremely highlighted for the Cardinals in this one, and they'll be able to wear down 
Um, Virginia's very good defense, but that offense for Virginia is extremely inconsistent at times, and if Bryce Perkins isn't um, doing everything for them, then that offense struggles, and I think Louisville's defense, if they were able to get after and turn over Trevor Lawrence, who is a much better quarterback, um, not as mobile as Perkins, I understand that, and Perkins is given more ability to run and affect games with his feet, but... If they can, if Louisville's defense can slow down a little bit, Trevor Lawrence, I think they can have a repeat showing and be able to slow down Bryce Perkins. And if they can do that, Louisville ends up winning this game against Virginia. Continuing down, Alabama, even without Tua for however long, they're going to beat Arkansas. Um, Notre Dame. Okay, here we go. Notre Dame, 8th in the country, goes to number 19, Michigan. Michigan at 5-2, Notre Dame at 5-1. I have absolutely no reason to believe that Michigan will win this game, but I'm going to pick Michigan. I think it's just about time that they win a big game. They haven't in so long. They have the chance back-to-back weeks with last week coming up short against Penn State. They get back to the big house. And, uh, yeah, I think it's just time. I, I'd have no other, no other sign, like analysis besides, like, they're due. Michigan is due for a win in a big game, and this is a big game. And there you go. I pick Michigan over Notre Dame. Moving on to another uh, hometown team, you have Missouri coming to the Kentucky Wildcats. Kentucky was able to hold their own for about two and a half quarters against the Georgia Bulldogs. Lynn Bowden had another um, Iron Man effort where they called upon him to do everything. Now apparently he's calling back to the receiver position, and Sawyer Smith is going to be able to take snaps at quarterback again. This doesn't feel like... A must win, but it feels certainly like a this would really change the entire scope of the season. And Kentucky's defense, if they play nearly half as good as they did last week against Georgia, then it gives them a exceptional chance to win this game. I just think that Sawyer Smith is not going to be able to make enough big plays, and I think Kelly Bryant and Missouri's offense um, – they're undefeated at home, but the two losses they do have has been on the road. Um, so that lends itself to Kentucky's favor a little bit, but I just think Kelly Bryan and that team are going to make too many big plays, and Kentucky won't be able to match the big plays, and Missouri is going to come to Kroger Field and walk out with a win. And then the night game, you have some Pac-12 action. You have Washington State going to Oregon. Oregon coming off an impressive win at Washington last week where Justin Herbert willed the Ducks to a win. This is going to be, I think, a prototypical um, Pac-12 game, even though Oregon's defense is extremely underrated. I think they're gettable, and I think this is a game where they are going to get got, and there's going to be a ton of points scored, but I think that Oregon, in the end, the defense will win out, make a couple big plays when necessary, and Oregon ends up winning this game to run their win total to seven on the year. That concludes this week's edition on college football. We now look to the NFL, and in week eight, 
the Thursday night game, you have the Redskins going to the Vikings. The Vikings will be without Adam Thielen, but it doesn't seem to matter to me at all. You still have Stephon Diggs, a Pro Bowl caliber receiver. You still have Dalvin Cook, and Kirk Cousins has looked fairly good the past couple weeks ever since that dismal game where, excuse me, where Thielen and Diggs showed some disapproval with how he was playing and how they got it, uh, how he got him the ball and all those other things that receivers care about. And I just continue to think that the Vikings will roll over the Redskins in this one on Thursday night. Um, continuing the piss poor showing of primetime games for the NFL. On Sunday, now we look at the Seahawks going to the Falcons. The Seahawks coming off a home loss to the Ravens, which didn't foresee happening. I thought the game was going to go the Seahawks' way, but the Falcons are in total disarray, and the Seahawks are going to come in and play pretty pissed off. And the Seahawks just picked up a very good uh, secondary guy from the Lions. His name is evading me right now, but. I don't know if he's going to get the play right now this week, just getting traded over. But once he does, that already good Seahawks defense is only going to improve. And the Falcons now without Mohamed Sanu, I get that's not a extremely like make-or-break guy for them, but he is a great professional uh, now on the Patriots. And I just in no way foresee this going the Falcons' way. So the Seahawks, I think, get it done. Next, you have the Eagles going to the Bills. And this is going to be my little, like, one of my upsets of the week. I think the Eagles are going to go to the Bills. And after the Eagles get embarrassed on Sunday night, they're going to come out and get this win over the Bills on Sunday. Um, I expect a extremely um, important game for the Eagles where they feel like it's sort of must win. And I expect Carson Wentz to have a good game um, and propelling the Eagles to a victory over the Bills. Next, we have the Chargers going to the Bears. Both of these teams extremely underperforming. Um, I'm going to go with the Bears over the Chargers in this one just strictly because of the Bears' defense and them really going to have to propel this team to a win in this one just because Mitchell Trubisky and the rest of that offense has looked like a total 180 than what it did last year. So... I'm going with the team with the better defense, and I'm going to go with the Bears. Next, we have the Giants going to the Lions. Uh, the Lions losing on Johnson, their second year back, who was putting together a very solid, good year for them. I am going to go with the Lions in this one. Their defense at times has showed that they can stop stop teams and force turnovers, and they will probably be able to do that a little bit against Daniel Jones, the rookie, and that offense is still going along with Matthew Stafford and his um, wide array of targets that he can get to people like Marvin Jones and Galladay and Hawkerson at times. So I'm going to go with the Lions over the Giants in this one. Continuing on, I in this game I could, could not give – Less of a shit about. Um, the Buccaneers going to the Titans. I think the Titans defense is going to be able to force over Jameis Winston. And I guess Ryan Tannehill is going to be able to do something on offense. Probably expect a heavy dose of Derrick Henry and just throwing Tannehill out there and hoping to God he doesn't make any mistakes. But all in all, I do think the Titans defense is good enough. To, and they are good enough to force some turnovers from Jameis Winston and put them in a position to win. So I go with the Titans. Next, you have the Broncos going up against the Colts, and the Colts seem like they're hitting their stride. 
beating Kansas City a couple weeks ago, beating the AFC, their biggest competition in the AFC South, the Texans, last week. Um, two physical football teams in this game. I expect it to be a close game, but I expect Jacob Brissett, who has looked extremely good so far on the year, a couple of his stats. Uh, 1,300 yards, 14 touchdowns, only three interceptions on the year. And it seems like that offense with him is finally clicking and coming together and running quite smoothly. So I'm going to go with the Colts over the Broncos. Next, you have the Bengals going to the Rams. And this could not set up any better for a Rams uh, continuing to rebound from losing to the Buccaneers a few weeks ago and then the 49ers um they get the lowly Falcons last week and then they get the Bengals this week and Jalen Ramsey looked pretty solid in his debut for the Rams um expect that to just continue on and he is really I think it's hard to say that one player is changing how a defense is viewed, but he is um, sort of making their defense scary again. So I'm going to go with the Rams over the Bengals. Next, we have the Cardinals going to the Saints, where the Saints are all signs are indicating that Drew Brees will be back, and I think we all need to take our hats off and applaud how well the Saints team came together and played as a team and really just exceed expectations with Drew Brees gone and I think that starts ultimately with Teddy Bridgewater how well he has played going 5-0 and in the games without Drew Brees so I'm taking my metaphorical um, hat off to you Teddy Bridgewater Teddy two gloves um, and this I think it's like the ultimate like coming home for Drew Brees first game back against the Cardinals with a very shaky defense in the dome um the Saints still could be without Alvin Kamara. That's still up in the air right now, but Latavius Murray has done a very solid job in in uh, the few games that they've been without Kamara. So get Drew Brees back in the Dome. It seems like a no-brainer. you got to take the Saints in this one over the cards. Next, you have the Jets going to the Jaguars. I expect the Jets' defense to be extremely physical and get after Gardner Minshew and potentially force a few issues, but... Uh, besides that, um, the Jaguars are the better team, so I'm going to go with the Jaguars. I expect a heavy dose of Leonard Fournette and a few key passes from Minshew that ultimately get the win for the Jaguars over the Jets. Next, you have the Panthers going to the 49ers. This is going to be a sneaky, good, close game to me. Um, I do think the 49ers walk out of this game with a win, but... Um, Christian McCaffrey, I can see him having a big day, but I think maybe a few mistakes caused by Kyle Allen, um, caused by the defense and the pressure that San Francisco is able to get on them is going to ultimately lead to the Panthers' loss to the 49ers this weekend. Next, you have the Browns going to the Patriots. M-line pick the Browns, you might as well. Just do it. Just fuck it. Who cares? But no, ultimately, I... I'm having a real hard time talking myself into having any hope in this game for the Browns. Um, the Patriots just look so good. Their defense is incredible. They are forcing turnovers at will. And if we've seen anything so far this year, we've seen that Baker Mayfield is susceptible to turning the ball over. I'm not going to say throwing interceptions. Yes, technically it's interceptions, but there have been a lot of dropped passes leading to interceptions. So I'm just going to say turning the ball over. And I don't I don't know what would foresee that changing. The Browns did have an extra week to prepare for this game coming off their bye, so that's big. But 
probably be a little bit closer, but it's hard to go into Foxborough and win, and I think the Patriots do end up getting it done. But, hey, like I said, if you want to just fuck around and try something, throw Browns M1. You might as well. Next, you have the Raiders going to the Texans. I think the Texans win this one coming off the loss last week in a close game against the Colts. They're going to come off pretty pissed off and looking to get that win back. Uh, Sean Watson, he's uh, he's looked okay so far this year. He's had his up and down moments. I think the coming off of what the Raiders let... Aaron Rodgers due to them last week with six total touchdowns and the perfect passer rating. They're not, I don't think they're going to be that bad again, but they're obviously susceptible to big games. And Deshaun Watson has pieces there that are going to help him have big games. So I take the Texans over the Raiders. On Sunday night, you have the Packers going to the Chiefs. And the Chiefs, will they, won't they be without Patrick Mahomes um, he, with the knee injury? Apparently, he was at practice today working things out. My real big concern is they are going to force him to come back way sooner and that injury is going to linger all year. I get you need to win games in this league, obviously, but the AFC West is such a shitty division. You can take a few games and if you can go split the games or go just win a game out of three games. Let's say uh, Patrick Mahomes is out three weeks. If you can go one and two with and you're in that shitty AFC West division, that's okay. But it doesn't seem like that's the route that the Chiefs are going to go. It seems like they're going to force him back a little bit sooner than what he probably should be. And again, that concerns me that that injury could linger throughout this year and then into the offseason and that become a storyline and all this other stuff. Um, trading that for a couple of for a couple weeks where you're a little uncertain at quarterback. Um, if Mahomes does play, I still think the Packers have a real good chance of winning this. If Mahomes doesn't play, um, the Packers for sure win this. Either way, I think the Packers continue to roll with that offense now catching up to where the what's it called the defense was at the start of the year, and Aaron Rodgers and the floors um, chemistry sort of clicking right now as well. Um, the Packers go into Arrowhead and win. Then the Monday night game. Again, I mentioned it earlier, but the NFL continuing to spit out hot garbage for the uh, primetime games. You have the Dolphins going to the Steelers, and even if it's either uh, Devlin Hodges or Mason Rudolph, I don't know at the moment which it's going to be. It's looking right now like Devin Hodges. Um, I still think that the Steelers are going to beat the Dolphins and expect a very um, game manager-esque type game out of Hodges. Um, getting his backs involved a lot. Expect James Conner to have a big game and lift the Steelers to a 3-4 and four record with the win over the Dolphins on Monday Night Football. All right, that wraps up the NFL portion of this week's Carson Sack. I did mention I'd talk a little about about the NBA. Particularly, I just want to talk about uh, the Clippers-Lakers game from last night. The Clippers getting the win. A couple things I'd like to mention. Multiple times in the game, the point was made that the there was more Laker fans than Clipper fans in the arena. And they announced specifically Reggie Miller said, remember, this is a Clippers home game, okay? And one of my friends, Ryan Moore, who's been on the show before, mentioned that, okay, the Clippers season ticket holders would be there. Obviously, yes. But to call it a Clippers home game, what the... F- it's... Pl- they play in the same arena. It's the same city. Besides the season ticket holders, 
every other fan had the exact same opportunity to buy tickets. What, like, what, what is so shocking and what is so, I don't know, it's so stupid to me just to hear, oh, it's a Clippers home game when they both play in the same arena. Um, all right, speaking about the actual game, though, Kawhi Leonard is still the best player, basketball player in the world. That's no surprise. What did surprise me is how well Danny Green played. That was a nice little boost for the Lakers. Um, what concerned me for the Lakers, the staggered minutes between LeBron and AD, they did not have a, they did have time on the floor together, but not as much as you would think they would. I think that's going to change throughout the year, but first game, very easy to overact to, um, Nothing, I, again, they, they're going to play three more times, and if you split the season series, which I think is a great possibility, um, then you got to call that pretty good on either side because both these teams are incredibly good and incredibly dangerous. Um, there will be more NBA talk in the future of Carson Sack, but really there's only been two games, and I understand I'm recording this, and you're going to listen to this the next day, um, the night after the real big slate of NBA games start, but I... Didn't want to wait to record this. So those were the only two games. Um, the Raptors last night also beat the Pelicans. Pelicans without Zion Williams. Um, is Zion Williams fat? Zion Williams said fat? I don't know. Um, I don't think so. I really don't. Um, it's crazy to me that um, the coach for the Pelicans had to come out and clarify that, that the injury had nothing to do with... Um, Zion's weight so again going forward there will be more NBA talk but right now there are only two games and I I got nothing besides what I've already said moving on to the MLB the World Series already happening my pick was the Yankees and the Braves that didn't even come close to happening um the Nationals took game one in Houston. I think the Astros come back and win. They have to win this game because you go down 0-2, it's extremely difficult. Um, the Nationals are taking a page out of the Red Sox book from last year and implementing starters into bullpen moments because of the bullpen um, not being as strong as it could be or should be. Um, that was what the Red Sox were able to do to the Astros last year, and the Red Sox were able to win. So the Nationals this year going with that strategy. It's a good strategy strategy but um it was still a close game last night and it felt like everything was sort of going right for the nationals after that uh first inning don't know if that's going to continue to happen i can easily see this series being uh even up tonight if it's not i'm not pushing the panic button just yet on the astros because to me they are the better team but the astros are the hotter team at the mo uh excuse me the astros are the better team but the Nationals are the hotter team at the moment. So, again, if the Astros go down 0-2 tonight, I'm not pushing the panic button, but there is a little cause for concern. And once that series wraps up, I will have more of a in-depth actual analysis about it. So look forward to that. Um, this is going to do it for Carson Sack, episode 61. I appreciate you listening to this. I'll be back next week for episode 62 with... Um, Maybe some sights and sounds from Columbus, from 
a huge weekend there for the Wisconsin game. Uh, I appreciate you listening. Thank you for taking your time out of your day. Share this with someone if you liked it. I hope you did enjoy it. Um, thank you for listening. Like, rate, subscribe, all that other good shit on Carson Sack on iTunes. Um, Mail Sack will be back next week. Keep your eyes peeled for my on my Instagram, Snapchat, Twitter, wherever else I'm going to post it so you can send in your questions. Thank you for listening to episode 61 of Carson Sack Podcast where we talk balls. And as we always end here on Carson Sack, we yeah. will be See yeah. Who the jiggy nigga with the gold links? Got me reminiscing about my old days. Three six sucker nigga dick, no foreplay. All day, booming out the trap through the hallway. Tell me what you niggas know about. I'm just saying, turn it down, or she finna call the cops. We been plotting on the eye. She the one who got the drop.